Welcome to Expert Gold Radio, which shows you how to leverage your leadership. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira, for this month's show. Welcome to Expert Gold Radio for June 2014. If I sound happy, it's because I've just returned from a wonderful two-week holiday to Europe. So mostly Paris and Florence, which are two of my favorite places in the world. And there were, as well, a couple of side trips from Florence to Lucca and to Siena, which are also really beautiful. So I'm relaxed, refreshed and happy, ready to tackle the rest of this year. Okay, so on to business. So this month we're going to be talking about online marketing and in particular inbound marketing. And that means marketing where your prospective customers and clients come to you rather than you having to go out and interrupt them with your sales pitch. That sounds good, doesn't it? And it is. And the internet's made this not only possible, but it's preferable. It's what people actually prefer. So the feature interview this month is a conversation that I had with Josh Cobb of Real Estate Dynamics. And we talk about inbound marketing and in particular, the value of email for that purpose. We're going to get to that soon. But to put that in context, I want to start by telling you about how social media fits into that picture. Because, of course, social media is really popular now. So let's start with a short extract from my audio program, Social Media Leadership. And that will help you understand how social media and email are going to fit together. Hello, this is Gihan Pereira and welcome to this program which is all about social media. In fact, it's all about social media influence and leadership. Now, of course, there's a lot of material out there already about social media. And the reason is it's simple because it's important. It's important for any business that wants to compete and engage and work with customers and prospects and clients in an online world to understand how to use social media effectively. The problem is that a lot of the advice that you see about social media, you just don't have the time to put into practice because people will tell you that you need to be blogging uh, every day, tweeting five times a day, updating your Facebook page uh, every hour, and engaging in a way that most business owners and business leaders don't have time to do. So I want to give you a different perspective about social media. And that's why I'm talking about social media influence and social media leadership. Because see, what I want you to do is focus on the things that are going to get you the best results fast, rather than focus on everything that you could possibly do with social media. So this program is a little bit restricted in terms of what it's going to do in talking about social media. There's a lot more that it can do, but I'm going to focus on a particular strategy, which is a social media leadership strategy that will help you get results fast. And then if you've got extra time, then you can do some of the other stuff. I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule. So 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your efforts. So today, and in this program, I'm going to share with you the 20% of the work that you need to do that's going to give you 80% of your results. So with that in mind, let's look at the first and most important thing that you need to do with social media. And the key is to understand that social media is part of your marketing and it should be used to amplify your core marketing efforts rather than being a separate marketing channel. See, too many businesses look at social media as something separate they do from all their other marketing and all their other business. And it shouldn't be. It's going to be part of your marketing. And for most businesses, Social media is a distraction. Now, I know this is a bit controversial because uh, there'll be a lot of social media experts who will disagree with that and say it's essential. And yeah, look, I, th I think that is true. But for most businesses, the way they use social media, it's simply a distraction from every everything else that they're doing in their business. So let me be more precise about that so that you understand what I mean by that. Here's what I mean. Obsessing about social media is a distraction from doing your job and running your business. 
So in a nutshell, your job is to solve your customers' problems. Okay, it's that simple. Marketing is all about solving your customers' problems. So your, your job in your business is to figure out and to solve your customers' problems. Marketing proves that you can solve their problems, and social media marketing should be used to magnify and amplify your other marketing efforts. So instead of spending more time on social media that doesn't work, spend less time on social media, but focus on the things that actually do work. And the things that work are the activities that prove that you're an expert in solving your customers' problems. So let me say that again. The things that work are the activities that prove that you're an expert in solving your customers' problems. In other words, you use social media to magnify your expertise and in that way become an authority. So this is very different from a lot of the other social media marketing advice that you'll hear. So many social media experts will tell you that the only way to succeed is to be constantly engaging with your customers, monitoring their online conversations, and responding promptly to their concerns and problems. Now that's important for some roles in your business, especially in customer service, but it shouldn't be the main way that you use social media. Your main use of social media is to prove that you can solve your customers' problems, and it's not to engage in inane chatter with anybody and everybody who wants to follow you. Okay, so if there's one thing that'll make the biggest difference to your social media presence, this is it. So use social media for distributing content that proves that you're an expert in solving your customers' problems, not just for having online conversations. In other words, stop thinking of social media as a two-way communication channel where you listen and you respond and engage in conversations. Part of that's important, but the main thing that you should use it for is mostly a one-way communication channel. So you speak, you share, and you distribute your key strategic messages, and they're the things that prove that you can solve your customers' problems. Now, just be aware that this is a radically different way of viewing social media. And if you talk to your marketing people, if you talk to social media consultants, and perhaps even if you think about the way that you've thought about social media in the past, then you might find that it's quite different and it's a bit controversial. So I just want to say there are other roles for social media. So, for example, your customer service team uh, do have to be doing all that engagement and listening and responding stuff. So that is important, having those conversations. Your marketing team do need to keep doing promotions and campaigns and everything else they're doing with online marketing. But what I want you to do is add leadership to that. Add the bit that demonstrates your expertise and builds your authority as somebody who can solve your customers' problems. And when I say leadership and leaders, I'm not only talking about the official leaders in, in your organization. So you may be the business owner, in which case you're a natural leader, or you may have a leadership position within your organization. And in that case, of course, you have that leadership role. But the social media work might be done by somebody else in your organization who also takes on that leadership role. So we're talking about social media leadership as something that leaders do. Is it's not only the official leaders. So that's the introduction to this program, and I really want to get that off my chest, if you like, because it is going to be something quite different from most social media advice that you'll see in other places. So let's start by looking at your social media strategy. As we start looking at social media strategy, let me start you off with five common social media myths that can make your life seem far more difficult than it really needs to be. So myth number one is that it's all about the numbers, and this is actually the biggest myth about social media. The myth is that the only way that you can succeed depends on your reach. 
In other words, the number of fans and friends and followers and likes and retweets and shares or whatever numbers you choose to measure your social media success. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't measure your social media success, but don't make it just about the volume of numbers. Now, having a large number of followers and friends and fans looks good and looks like a logical thing for you to measure, but it's simply not the case that that will lead to success. Having millions of followers on your account doesn't mean that any of them are actually following you in any meaningful way. And even worse, most of them probably don't even see anything that you post because it gets lost among everything else that they follow. So stop trying to get more followers, friends, fans, whatever. Focus instead on consistently delivering value to the people that you want to reach and to your current followers. And then they'll spread the word naturally and that'll get you more followers and friends. And of course, they'll be the right kinds of followers and friends because they'll be referred by people who already know, like and trust you. The second myth is that it's all about engaging customers. So I've mentioned this earlier. If you're in a customer service role, then yep, social media channels do give you a powerful way to engage with customers. And also, if you wear a marketing hat, again, you can use social media for things like market research, for marketing campaigns, and for building better engagement with your customers and your clients. But if you start wearing a leadership or advisory hat, that's not the best use of your time. You might occasionally look at your organization's Twitter feed or Facebook page to see what your customers are saying, but you wouldn't spend all your time having conversations with customers. As a leader, as an authority, as somebody who's demonstrating expertise, that's not your job. And if you're spending too much time doing that, you're not doing your real job and you're stepping on somebody else's toes because somebody else will be doing that job in your organization. So instead of that, use social media as another way to share your key messages and ideas. So for example, if you're a thought leader, you should use it to share your blog posts or videos or articles or special reports. Or if you're a business leader, use, use it to share your key strategic messages, both inside and outside the organization. And if you're a business owner, you might be doing a combination of those things. And also remember that you focus on solutions to your customers' and clients' problems. That should be a guiding principle when you think about what you're going to share. So myth number three is that it's all about your traditional social media channels like Facebook and Twitter. And in fact, when most people use the term social media, they're referring to those sort of social networks like Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Google Plus and some of the smaller networks. Now, these are important, but use them for amplifying your message. The real value in your social media leadership strategy comes from the other tools where you state your message in the first place. So things like blogs and email newsletters where you write your articles, YouTube where you publish your videos, SlideShare where you publish your PowerPoint presentations, Amazon.com where you can publish ebooks and special reports, and places like the iTunes Store where you can publish podcasts which are audio newsletters and again another place for publishing ebooks. So use these tools for crafting and delivering your messages and then those social networks are for sharing them more widely. Myth number four is that you have to do it all yourself. One of the reasons that people get overwhelmed with social media is that they think they have to do everything themselves. Now it is true that when you use these tools you're engaging as a person so you are showing your face so you're not doing it as an organization or a brand. Now your marketing department might do that and they might be doing some brand marketing through social media but you as an expert as an authority are showing yourself. So you do need to be authentic and show your face and that is sometimes literally in places like videos and your profile pictures but also your personality shines through in other things like your blog posts and your tweets. So you do need to be personally responsible for 
creating, crafting and delivering the messages, but it doesn't mean that you need to do everything. You can delegate or outsource some of the other tasks when it gets to distributing and promoting those messages. So just let me give you a couple of examples so you understand what I mean. So if you're presenting YouTube videos, maybe you need to record the videos so that it shows your face, but your team can then take those videos and publish them to YouTube and then share it on your blog and Facebook and Twitter and other social media networks. Um, you can write articles, but then your team can take them, polish them up, and then publish them to your blog. So you can decide what articles and news stories and blog posts are going to come in for you to read, and you do the reading and the filtering, but then you can decide what's worth sharing with your networks and pass it on to your team to do the sharing for you. Okay, and myth number five, the last one of these, is that it needs a lot of time and effort. Now it's true that this does take some time and effort, but it doesn't mean that you have to spend every waking hour on social media, even though some people will tell you that that's the only way to be really successful. That's not true, far from it. There's a lot of things that you can do which don't require a lot of time, but are still high value and high leverage. So remember, in summary, the idea is that you're going to be using social media to deliver high quality content that proves that you're an expert in solving your customers' and clients' problems. So I hope you found that useful to give you the big picture about how social media is going to fit into your marketing strategy. So now let's move on to the conversation that I had with Josh Cobb. So Josh is a consultant at Real Estate Dynamics, and that's a company that helps property management companies with their business growth. And Josh and I recently worked together on an ebook which we called The Advanced Guide to Email Marketing for Property Management Companies. And although some of the examples in the language are specific to property management, the principles are the same for all businesses. So that's why I'm sharing that with you here. And we launched the ebook with a live Google Hangout, and that's what you're going to listen to here, just the audio part of it. And we talk about a number of things, so listen out for how to generate better quality leads using inbound marketing, why inbound marketing is cheaper and more effective than traditional push advertising, why email is critical to your inbound marketing plan. We're going to share with you some strategies and content and examples and ideas for generating, nurturing and converting leads, and also the technology and the tools that you need to help you manage your inbound marketing through email. So let's join the conversation now. And oh, by the way, if you'd like to get your own copy of the ebook, listen out at the end. Well, hello and welcome to this special Google Hangout, uh, launching the advanced guide to email marketing for property management companies. For those of you who I haven't met, my name is Joshua Cobb from Real Estate Dynamics, the uh, the leader, the industry leaders in property management consulting, training and rent roll and agency brokerage. Uh, I'm lucky today to be joined by Gihan Pereira, who is a consultant, speaker and author helping businesses leverage their products and services, particularly with their online strategies. I was fortunate enough to, uh, to see Gihan speak at a real estate conference in Brisbane back in 2013, and I feel very humbled that Gihan uh, had agreed to co-author this ebook with me to help principals, BDMs, and property managers bring their marketing strategies into the modern era and take their overall marketing from good to great with smarter marketing uh, strategies via email. I should point out that although this ebook has been written specifically for property management companies, uh, and real estate agencies in general, the ideas do apply to all businesses. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Gihan Pereira all the way from Perth, Western Australia. Uh, Gihan, good morning. Yeah, good day, Josh, and great to be here. Looking forward to this conversation. 
Thanks very much. And Gihan, for everyone watching, would you would you like to just elaborate a little on on what you do and the sorts of people or companies that you work with? Yeah, the, thank you, thank you, Josh. For the last fifteen years, I've been working with uh, with organisations with their online strategies, and I actually started using the internet in nineteen eighty eight. So that was long before many people even knew there was a thing as the internet, and we were using it at, at uni, and then in my first job, which is a technology-based job, so we were using it at that time, um, long before there's Google, long before there's social media. At the time, most people uh, who were using the internet were just using it for email, and there were a few online discussion boards, there was no web or anything like that, um, but then that came along, the web came along, and suddenly the internet became commercial, but only a few people could put stuff on the internet. Most of us could only download. So if you're putting videos on there, then it was a, a news company. They'd be publishing their, some news stories online. Or if you're publishing, um, there were no such things as blogs. The only people who were publishing online were, again, news organizations or radio stations would publish audio and so on. And then social media came along. And uh, I've, I've kind of seen that shift. I've kind of seen where it's gone from um, really high-level control to now we've all got power. And then how do we how do we kind of compete in that world? So I work with businesses and uh, organizations, and both large and small, but with, with smaller organizations, it's it's now talking about things like social media, email marketing, and online marketing. Um, and I love it. I love it because the people who get it uh, have a lot of success with it, as, as you know, Josh. Yeah, look, absolutely. And so, look, if we if we have a look at the e-book, um, uh, Gihan, and, and we start off um, in, in the e-book talking about the difference between inbound marketing and outbound marketing. Can you explain in simple terms the difference between uh, the, the two? Yeah, look, I, I think if you were to summarise it, it would be push versus pull. So the way that you used to market was you'd push, and that's outbound marketing. So you push stuff through the yellow pages, through your local newspapers, through mass media like TV and radio. And basically what you're doing is you're, you're interrupting people. So you're, they're going around their busy, their busy lives and you're interrupting them with your advertising and it's all promotional stuff and it's interruption marketing. And that, that was okay. That used to work because that was really the only way that people could hear about your products and services. But now inbound marketing is much more powerful now. It's more effective because people don't want to be interrupted anymore. And there are so many other ways that they can get access to you. And the internet's just uh, completely flipped around the way that marketing works. So previously, as an organization, you had to push your stuff out there. And that was the only way you could get out to, to your potential clients and customers. And people appreciated that because they, they wanted to know that they needed something and they wanted you to, to interrupt them and tell them about your, your stuff. But now there's so many more options and the pool marketing is where you educate people and you make information available to them. So when they're doing stuff in their, in their busy daily lives, and particularly online, they'll come across your marketing, but it's not an interruption. It's actually something that's useful to them. And then they will get in touch with you. So you're pulling people to you rather than pushing stuff out to them. And I think that's a, that's a key difference between outbound, which is the old way, and inbound, which is a new way. And what would you say would be some of the benefits of, of inbound marketing uh, versus outbound marketing? Some of the, some of the uh, besides the fact that you're uh, not pushing so much, but what are some of the, uh, the essential benefits of, of inbound marketing? 
Yeah, and it's not only what I say, Josh. It's actually the the research shows this, and I think in the ebook we refer to some some um, some research that's been done about this. And inbound marketing does work and is more effective. So it actually generates more leads. Uh, it generates a better quality of leads. Uh, it's cheaper. So it actually costs about uh, one third. Uh, so uh, going from about a half to a third of the price of outbound marketing to get those leads. Uh, and I think the other big benefit for us is that you know, even though that's the best way for most people to be marketing in most organizations, most people aren't doing it yet. So by doing it, you're still going to be in the minority. And if you're the minority who's pulling people to you by providing great educational material that people value then that already sets your path. So we've got a little bit of a window, I think, for a couple of years before it becomes mainstream where we can position ourselves as the organization who's who's helpful rather than pushy. So you'd, instead of becoming a pushy salesperson, you become a trusted advisor. Mm. And there's certainly uh, there's an analogy that a friend of mine, uh, Jay Bayer, who's an author over in the United mm, States yeah. and a social media and digital content marketing strategist, says is, look, it, we, we all go on to Google, uh, we, all, we all use Google, but something we don't all do is go on to Google and say, um, look, we, I want to buy something, I don't know what it is, just surprise me. And that's something none of us do. We all go to Google with a purpose of searching, don't we? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love Jay's book, Utility, which is fantastic, and it's all about being useful. It's about being useful for your clients rather than being pushy. And I think as we talk more about this, we'll find that that's a, re- that's a theme that goes through all of this, Josh. The other thing about Google is that most people, when they go to Google, are going to Google because they want to learn how to do something, not necessarily because they want to buy something. And it's not always true. You know, you might be going there because you want to buy something and then you get straight to um, websites that sell you stuff. But most of us, when we're offering, like in a, in a property management company, it's interesting to see how many of the, the people who stumble across your website and were actually searching for how to do something, not necessarily I want to engage you as my property manager. Uh, and that's why when we talk about the funnel, uh, it's you can't you can't push your product on them straight away or the, or the service on them straight away because they're not ready to buy, they're not ready to engage you. They actually want a little bit of education along the way. They want to be seduced, I think, Josh, but they want to be seduced not by not by flowers and a fancy dinner, but they want to be seduced by you demonstrating that you've got the expertise and the skills to serve them um, not immediately, not only immediately, but in the long term as well. Well, that's a good point you make as well. And if I, if we can, uh, if we can call on our on our uh, our friend Jay uh, and his book Utility as well, he's he's got a great line in that book that is if you if you sell something, sure you'll make a customer today, but if you help someone, you'll make a client for life. And and they're 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 completely separate mindsets, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think that. People want to, especially with services, and we're, we're offering services uh, in what we're doing, Josh. Um, with services, people want somebody who can help them, uh, not just somebody who's an order taker. Well, if we just before we move into that final process, Gihan, why do you think email is important uh, for inbound marketing? And, and traditionally, um, the real estate space has been uh, quite heavily... Uh, into uh, print marketing and letterbox drops and just just rented flyers and and all sorts of uh, paraphernalia that is is uh, you know cutting down the small a small rainforest in uh, 
in, in Tasmania somewhere, but why is email important to inbound marketing, do you think, Ian? Yeah, I think you've raised two points there, Josh. So one is there's that offline marketing, so all of those things that you talked about which cut down the rainforest, that's the offline marketing, so there's offline versus online. And I think there's, there's it's, I'm not saying don't do any offline marketing, there's a mix, so definitely do both of them. So have your offline and your online channels. But the second part of that is, okay, now that you decide to go online, which bits are you going to use? And that's where email is really valuable. So email is like one of the oldest uh, internet tools and technologies around. Uh, I think it's the 1960s where email first started, and I was using it in the 1980s. As I said, when I was first using the internet, there was no web. Um, but email was a really big thing, and so it's, it's old, but it, just because it's old doesn't mean that it's not valuable anymore. And the key is that everybody checks their inbox every day. So everybody still uses email, and everybody still checks their inbox. And, uh, uh, and people say you check Facebook as well, and you check your Facebook um, account frequently, and people do. But the difference is that with your inbox, if you send somebody something in their inbox with their permission, if you send somebody something, it sits there. With Facebook, you kind of got to hope that the person is going to be on Facebook at the time that you send it. And if, if you're not there, if they're not there at that time or soon after, then it just scrolls off the page and they never get to see it because, I mean, they can, they can go back, but they don't. Uh, with Facebook or Twitter, um, with Google Plus or LinkedIn or all those sort of things, um, there's so much on there that it just scrolls past pretty quickly if you're not there at the right time. Whereas with email, I know people still have a problem with email and their email boxes are full. But if you're delivering value and you're delivering it with permission, then the the email will sit there for people to read. So that's the biggest thing. It's going into somewhere that's really trusted, that people really care about, and they protect very carefully. But if you can get into people's inboxes, then it's also really valued. It's really valuable. And something that in the ebook that people will see as well is is a study with Exact Target, who are a, uh, they're a marketer, they're a Salesforce company in the United States, and and have uh, offices over in Australia. But they've uh, in their email uh, channel, sorry, their channel preference survey in 2012 found that email is the channel consumers prefer over all others when it comes to direct marketing communications. So uh, certainly, just touching on your point, Skihan, it, it's certainly the preferred way people would, would love to hear from companies. Yeah, and I think almost any internet marketer uh, or anybody who's advising people to do online marketing will say you've just got to build up an email database. Um, And the key is you've got to do it with permission and you've got to give value. So don't just put people in your database uh, when you pick up their business card or you find their email address somewhere, that's uh, that's illegal. And even if it's not illegal, it's just bad business practice to do that. Um, and the second thing is you have to continue to continually deliver value to them. So if you're just going to send stuff that's promoting yourself but it's got no value, then it's not valuable. Uh, and people will unsubscribe or they'll put your email in spam or delete it straight away. So you've got to deliver value. And that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to promote, by the way. So you can promote. And in fact, I quite often ask people, uh, would you subscribe to an email that's sending you an ad every day and all it is is an ad? And people say, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's just, no, that's terrible. And yet there are thousands of people who subscribe to Catch of the Day, and Scoopon, and Deal of the Day, and Groupon, and all of those things. And you think about that, Josh. What are they doing? They're just sending you an ad. They're just saying, buy this, buy this. So why do people subscribe? Um, Not because it's educational or um, in any way helping them in teaching them something, but because it's valuable. So there's a special in there. There's some deal. 
and that's what makes it valuable. So it's okay to promote, just make sure it's something that the, the person receiving it will consider of value to them. And we'll, I guess we'll move into that when we move into the funnel process as well, yeah. is looking at the type of content at each stage of, of the funnel, and it is different, um, and we'll, we'll have a look at that in a moment. And, and certainly from an email perspective is uh, just, just looking at why it's important to inbound and, and the, the points you made earlier, Gihan, about it being about one-third of the cost is if it's the preferred channel that people prefer um, in their, their marketing communications from companies, um, it's, it's certainly a lot cheaper to send an email than it is to run 2,000 uh, DL flyers, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also, um, the, the people who, the, the, the warning about email is that it's not sexy. Right? It's been around since the 1960s. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's not Snapchat. All these new things. So some people just love the bright, shiny object that's just around the corner, just arrived. Um, and email isn't. It's not sexy, but it does the job and it works. And don't be, don't be distracted by some of the other stuff. So exactly what you said, Josh. So with the, e- with email, it costs a lot less than sending out a whole bunch of flyers. Um, but it's not as sexy as saying, I've got a thousand likes on my Facebook page. And, uh, you know, that's true, but it's hard to get a thousand likes. And then once you get those thousand likes, it's very hard to keep engaged with those people. In fact, Facebook has now reduced its uh, reach. Uh, unless you pay, you're probably only going to reach 1% of the people you've got as likes on your Facebook page. So even those thousand people, they're only worth about 10 people you're going to reach every time you send out something on your Facebook page. Whereas with email, um, you know, typical email rate, open rate might be between 20 or 30%, which sounds low, but it's still a lot higher than what you get with many other channels. And that's an important point that you make as well, is the engagement rate on email is, uh, you know, between that 20 to 30%. And that's, that's around an industry average that we, we see with some of our clients when we're, when we're looking at their, uh, their email or their marketing campaigns in general. But, that's that's an important point you make is you know that that's a statistic that you can measure with I mean it's it's pretty hard to measure how many people have just opened up your just rented flyers or have have picked up your uh, your you know your your DL flyer out of the letterbox it's pretty hard to measure that sort of stuff versus how many people have actually clicked on an email so I think you've touched on a good point is um, and it's something that um, some some online marketers and digital marketers say if it's digital it's measurable. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's not just opening it. You can see what, uh, how many people clicked on it, which clicks, which links worked best when, uh, when they clicked. So it absolutely is. And email gives you the access to that. And what, if we can touch on that as well, uh, Gihan, there's a couple of tools that, uh, and we'll move into that final process next, is um, some of the tools that we mentioned in the ebook uh, allow companies to do it quite cheaply, if not host free accounts. So they can send bulk email very quickly and, and, and they can actually measure their engagement rate um, very, very, very cheaply. Um, and it's quite sophisticated in the way um, you can set that up and, and uh, different steps in the process and lists and segment your database. Um, but it's not expensive to do, is it? No, no exactly right. It's that they use the magic word there, free, Josh, because it is, absolutely is. And the, uh, I reckon there's a really good, for most, for most uh, businesses and organisations who are working with, you know, like a, a small business, uh, with working with a few thousand, maybe, uh, a network of that much, and you're not an internet marketer, I reckon the tool you should use is MailChimp. 
So Chimp is in like the monkey. So MailChimp.com, it's free for up to 2,000 subscribers. And uh, the way they make the money is that you know, when you get more than 2,000 subscribers, they charge a monthly fee. Or if they, if you want to set up you know, certain sophisticated features, you, you charge, uh, they charge you a fee for that. Um, but for most businesses who are starting up, uh, it'll take a while to get to 2,000 email subscribers, and you get most of the features of MailChimp completely free. So you start, you sign up, and you start adding people to your email database, as we talk about when you go through the through the funnel. And it's a great system. It is quite sophisticated, even though it's free. Uh, it doesn't. I don't think it even puts in ads in the in the newsletters that you send out, uh, or the emails you send out, um, even with the free version. So they've got a sustainable business model there. So I reckon start with Mailchimp. And there's some more sophisticated things, but I think if you get just getting started, Mailchimp is perfect. Yeah, look, absolutely, and I'm, I, I have to admit uh, and, and disclose that uh, Real Estate Dynamics even use Mailchimp, and yeah. uh, we, we've got quite a sizable database. So um, even yeah, we, we certainly practice what we preach here. Is, is that's that's the same platform as we use here at Real Estate Dynamics. So um, and we found it to be fantastic right off the bat. So if we move into the the funnel processes, is Gihan, we 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 all know every, every salesperson or business development manager or principal and property manager, they all know what uh, what, what the um, you know the analogy of filling the top of the funnel and and obviously nurturing those people through your funnel. To a point where they uh, they engage you as their as their uh, as their property manager or salesperson. So, just just in uh, in terms of and we go through it in the ebook is is explain to us what the uh, the funnel process is. Yeah, and I think you've uh, you've given a good overview there, Josh. So if you look at the funnel and you think about think about breaking this down into four steps. So first, the top of the funnel. And the top of the funnel is you just want to get people into the funnel. And we're talking about email today, so it's trying to actually get people's email address. The second thing is when in the middle of the funnel, this is where you nurture the lead. So this is where you tell them a little bit about yourself, but you're still doing it in a really educational way. The bottom of the funnel is actually getting them to the point where you know they're, they're almost ready to make a decision. you kind of got to push them over the line to so convince them to to make that decision. And then the, the, the last part, which is actually out of the funnel or after the funnel, is a very important thing that you emphasized earlier, Josh, which is what you do to keep them and keep building up that relationship with them so that they remain with you as a client, uh, they refer other people to you, and they, they renew their contracts. When, you, when, they, when the contracts finish, they, they will renew. So look for repeat, renewal, and referral clients. So those four stages of the funnel um, are important and they're quite distinct. And the idea is that you get people to the top of the funnel and then you move them through the funnel and you keep them there, you know, forever, forever. Ideally, you keep them there until, um, you know, they die or they say goodbye and that's it. Yeah. And, and each stage, we, 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 we give some examples of content to deliver at each stage of the funnel in the, in the ebook. But just, just so we can help everyone understand is what, what is the strategy or, or purpose behind uh, each each stage of the funnel process, Gihan, and, and what types of content might be delivered uh, at each stage. And if we start at the top of the funnel, um, you, were, you were saying before, is obviously the, the purpose is to get their email address. So how can people set up their their websites or, or uh, you know, their Facebook page or, or any uh, landing pages? Or what, what, what do we want to do there? What's the purpose there? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the purpose of this, from our point of view, is to get their email address. The way you do it is that you have to be helpful. So you have to offer them something that's going to that's going to be valuable to them. And you just got to realize that at this stage, they don't even know who you are. So they have no idea who you are. 
So you've got to offer them something that's not promoting you, but something that's going to be valuable to them. So then they may not even be thinking about engaging a property manager at this stage. They just want to know what could be useful to them. So you're talking about somebody who's, let's say, a property investor. So this is, so I'm a property investor myself, and I remember when I, when, before I bought my first investment property, I was very reluctant to do it, Josh. And it's not because of the risk. It's not because of the lack of funds. I had everything in place. But the, you know, the, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but the thing that, the thing that stopped me from long t- for, a, for a long time was thinking, I don't want to be out there um, fixing somebody's toilet or you know, getting a call at midnight because something's gone wrong with the plumbing or, or something. Um, so I, didn't, I never even thought about the idea that a property manager could help me do those sort of things. So at that time, I was a prime prospect for the top of the funnel marketing. So if somebody had published a special report that said, um, here's how to invest in property and with, and sleep, sleep easy at night because you never have to do any of that work, or here's the right place to invest where you get the right sort of tenants because you might be worried about the risk of tenants trashing your place, or here are seven things that you can do or seven mistakes that first-time investors make, that sort of stuff would be really useful to me. And I would happily give my email address to somebody who would provide that report on their web page or on a Facebook post or on a tweet or in a blog post somewhere. I'd be quite happy to to exchange my email address in exchange for that report. So that's the sort of thing that you're looking for. Um, there may be sort of industry reports or uh, even a short article or a checklist of something that I, that I want to do um, that, that'll help me. Uh, and it's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with you and your company. It's something that's going to help me um, be, be a better investor, be a better landlord. So that's the first stage. That's the top of the funnel. And just if we can, uh, that's an important point you make is when you're saying it's not about the brand or the company is the, as you're saying, the key is to get their email address. So once we've delivered that helpful information, it's not, uh, and that we're, we're only just entering the funnel at that stage, uh, the top of the funnel process. So from there, uh, that top of the funnel, uh, we, we don't want to be jumping in there for the sale straight away, do we? Yeah, that, exactly right. Exactly right. So the next stage, which is what we call the middle of the funnel, is where you kind of like nurture that lead. Um, I, I should say though, Josh, uh, so you're right. So you don't have to jump into you don't have to jump into the sale straight away. But if somebody wants to buy, uh, then don't force them to go through the funnel, right? So you don't have to say, oh no, no, you didn't see all of our fancy testimonials and this big beautiful video of the case study of our, our best client. We don't want you to sign up just yet. So if somebody is ready then they can they can fast track the funnel. So we're not saying force them through that. Um, however, most people won't be in that stage. So what they want is now you go and if you think of me as that, that example again, I go, oh wow, property manager can help me. Um so what are what are you gonna do for me? And there you can do things like um this is where they they're starting to build a relationship with you and your organization, your company. So this is where you can be a little bit more promotional. So you can give them case studies and uh reviews and testimonials and those sort of things that will help them understand that you, it, it helps build up that trust, build up that relationship with you so that when they're thinking about who are they going to work with as a property manager, then they might go to you. Now, that doesn't mean that you should stop helping them and educating them. So still in that stage, so you may provide that report to start with, but along the way, you might also provide other things like checklists and uh, 
articles and other useful information. You might have a video about how to choose a tenant or you might have a video about, you know, seasonal stuff. Like now here in Australia, it's coming up to winter. So you might have a video about um, you know, things you need to do before winter, like making sure that you get your gutters cleaned. So that's the sort of stuff that's useful for the, for the landlord or investor. And, you know, as a property manager, you do this stuff all the time. But as an investor, you're not thinking about that. Or as a landlord, you're not necessarily thinking about that. So again, you can be helpful. And all you're doing is you're being helpful, but you're also demonstrating that you're the sort of organization that they should be dealing with. And and I guess an example of that is uh, there's a company here in, in Brisbane that I'm aware of that are doing uh, how-to videos on, on how they conduct um, certain uh, tasks in property management and, and breaking that down uh, and really extending out that middle of the funnel process and actually saying, well, look, this is how we, uh, not only, you know, we do four inspections a year or we check our, our tenant arrears daily, um, you know, arrears are, you know, um, uh, you know, at this sort of rate in our company. They're actually showing them how they do those tasks. So they're little short videos or how-to videos on, on how they carry out those tasks in their office. And I think what the difference between what they're doing and what the overwhelming majority of companies in property management are doing is they're not telling people what they do, they're showing them what they, uh, how they do it. And I think that individual perspective is, is so, so important in today's world, don't you think, Gihan? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you've really hit on a really important point there, Josh, because I can see that you've just said that and there'll be some people who will go, oh, we can't do that because then they don't need us. They'll do it themselves. Okay, and what's, what you can find is that, yes, some people will. So some people will go off and do it themselves. And we talked about MailChimp earlier, and it's a perfect example. It's an analogy to this. So MailChimp's business model is based on 90% of their customers will never pay them a cent. But the 10% that do make the business viable. So this is the same thing. So the the, the whole of, if you look at all the people in your funnel, the majority of them will never become clients. But does that mean that you shouldn't show those how-to videos because they're getting free advice? No, it doesn't. It doesn't cost you any more to show that how-to video to that 90% of people. So why not show it to them, knowing that the 10% will see that and value it and go, wow, I, now I know what's required to manage a property well. And by the way, this company is demonstrating that they do it. Why wouldn't I work with them? So don't worry about the fact that you're giving away free advice and don't worry about the fact that some people will just take the free advice and never do business with you. Um, just appreciate the fact that the people who will do business with you will get that relationship. You're building up that relationship with them. And it's certainly, I think, Gihan, as well, is that, that people don't expect it. Is In today's world, they don't expect that level of transparency. So I think that's that's an important point is, um, you know, when you're delivering those, those how-to videos or or you know, uh, short newsletters on on different tasks that you do in your office is at some point, even if they don't select you as their agent, if you keep delivering uh, added value, even if they're not even a client yet, or they're with another company at the moment, or if they go with another company, you still you're, you're in their mind. You're 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 I guess in that frame of mind that if something does go wrong, they go. I mean, who are they going to think of first? The person that um, you know delivered these short little two minute videos, or the little emails, or or the company that just keeps pushing out their, um, you know, uh, how many properties they've rented in the last six months or, or whatever they may be. Yep, exactly right. Exactly right, Josh. Mm -hmm. Well, if we move on to, say, the bottom of the funnel, we've, we've gathered someone's email, 
uh, we're delivering email to them, you know, helpful information via email, and we're, we're starting to measure who uh, might then move flow through into the middle of the funnel, where we're delivering more branded information and how-to videos, testimonials, and, and all that type of content. Once we get them to the bottom of the funnel, uh, Gihan, what what do we want to do there? What's our objective? Uh, look, the objective is to actually get them to sign. So this is where they're ready to they're ready to become a client. So what you have to do to get them to sign? Um, actually, I'm going to be a bit cheeky here and ask you, Josh. So what do you think that because I know you like you've got experience in this as well, and there's no reason why I'm any more of an expert than you are. In fact, uh, that's not true at all. So what do you what sort of things would you do in terms of getting people um, to, to sign on the dotted line, if you like, uh, at the bottom of the funnel? Well, that's a good question. Look, I think the important thing is once they've moved that through that middle of the funnel, uh, you've actually determined who is ready for that. Um, with If you're sending out constant um, offline marketing, you don't know. You have no idea. So digital marketing, again, is measurable. So you can, you can tell who is ready to receive that information based on the metrics or the, the statistics in the background that you can measure in MailChimp or other programs. And you know who's ready to receive that information, right? So once we get to that point is our call to action. So we can we can say something along the lines of, look, hi, my name's Josh from ABC Real Estate. Um, I understand you've been receiving some uh, helpful information over the last couple of months or weeks or however often. Um, I'd love the opportunity to offer you a, um, a free rental appraisal of your property. Or that's where we start to really the, the call to action time. So um, we, we the, the key there is to get uh, a conversation started about their property. Um, it's not necessarily to, hey, call us, is when's a good time that I can call you and deliver you, you know, a comparative rental analysis or, um, you know, discuss how your property may be performing in the, in the current market. So I think the important thing there is to not stop the, that helpful information coming, even though you're at the call to action stage. Um, the key there is to get that meeting with the client. Yeah, and I, th- I think you just like the call to action is really important, Josh. And I think you've uh, again hit on something that's really valuable for any marketing, and that that any marketing should have a call to action. And even in the earlier stages, even when you're in the middle of the funnel, in particular, where you're delivering a lot of like educational, helpful material, um, those how-to videos, like don't don't ignore the possibility that somebody is going to be ready to buy and they want to actually talk to a real person and they, they're now, they're ready. They, you've built up enough of a relationship, even though you've got some other stuff coming up later, give them a chance to escape the funnel, if you like, and actually talk to a real person. So um, give them that opportunity for that call to action even earlier in the process. And I think if we if we have a look at the process as a whole, if we use the analogy of buying a car, I suppose um, is quite a one that everyone understands. Behind is is when you go to buy a car, you don't walk into, you don't pick up the phone straight away and say, "Hey, look, I'm interested in this car. Can you tell me about the engine? Can you tell me about the upholstery? Can you tell me about what features it comes with?" You you either talk to your, I, I mean, for me, I, I know I speak to my dad because he knows everything that uh, I, I wouldn't buy a car without going to him first. So. I'm going to a family member first to ask some information. Then I may go online and I might um, uh, look for uh, ratings or recommendations from other people that have purchased that car. Then I might go to the website of the company that sells that brand of car to look at prices and uh, specifications and different options and, and that sort of thing before I've even picked up the phone to call that person. However, there's a lot of people that get to that point where they go purely on recommendations. And like you said, if they're ready to buy now, you don't 
discount those people. So if I went to my father and my father said, you need to buy this car, they're a great car, this, I can tell you everything you need to know, that may be enough for me to pick up the phone to a salesperson straight away because I feel like I'm, I'm educated enough. So when we get to that, you know, that bottom of the funnel for property managers specific, specifically is things like rental assessments and reports or consultations or proposals, and it may not have to be on their property specifically. So in your call to action email, you may include something like a rental analysis just on a, it could just be on a random property in, in your area that you manage. And it could have some comparison reports or it could have, um, you know, some local demographics. And, and everyone has access to these, this sort of data in RP data or, or price finder or those, those analytics, uh, programs for rentals, not just sales. So they can generate those comparative rental analysis. Um, if part of their subscription, they don't need to pay extra for it. Um, and they can send that out. Maybe in their email to say, hey, this is a report that we generate for our, our current clients. Uh, I'd love to give you a call and give you a more specific uh, example for your property. So I think that's really where you're being, you're painting that picture of perception in the marketplace that you're credible and strong. Um, and certainly at the, at the same time, um, calling to action uh, that, that prospective landlord. Yeah, and I think you uh, made a really important point there, Josh, about your, the, your, what you're saying is be proactive as a property manager. You've got some expertise, and your clients don't even know that you've got that expertise. Uh, and maybe if they ask a random question at some point, they may discover that. But if you can think about what do I know that my clients would find useful and that I can share with them and actually demonstrate that this is something that a property manager can do for you, and in particular, this is what we can do for you, then it's much more likely that they're going to say, yes, I want to work with you now. And that's what you do at the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. So if we move on from there, once we've, uh, once we've gained them as a client and, um, you know, there'll be some people that will watch this that, um, will, will have quite, uh, large rent roll businesses, Kihan, and there'll be people that have, that are startup businesses and, and are looking to grow their rent roll and, and this may be an option through email marketing for them. So for essentially the people, once they get on a client, why is it important not to stop the process, the funnel process, and and, and where do we go from uh, once they're once they're now a client? Mm. Yeah, and it's especially important for um, a business like a property management business because you want them as a client forever. So you want to keep building that relationship with them, and so you still do email marketing. But the difference, the key difference here, Josh, is that the people who are clients should be in a separate mailing list. So you should segment them differently from the people who are not yet clients. Um, and then those people, you just love them to death. Okay, so you give them whatever you can to just make sure that they're so happy and so thrilled with what you can do, they're delighted with the service that you offer, that they will never even think about going to somebody else, even if their, you know, their brother-in-law starts a property management business, they will just never switch because they're so happy with the service that you offer. So first of all, the, the idea is that you've got a client newsletter or a client database or client mailing list. And then what can you do? So remember the, the three objectives here for you. Um, and, you know, the, these objectives for you, but they're actually helpful for your clients as well, is you're looking for the three R's. You're looking for repeat, referral, and renewals. So you want repeat business. So if if you're managing one property for them, you want them to, when they invest in their second property, you want them to come to you again. Um, what was the second thing I said? Referral. So you want referral business where 
they're managing, you're managing their property, you want them to refer other people. Um, and the third thing is, of course, renewal. So when their contract expires, you want them to renew. So all the things that you offer them are delighting them so that they will give you those three things. So um, the, the sort of things you can do is you could run a, what we're doing now, you could run a hangout or a, some sort of conference call for clients where you invite in um, other experts who work in kind of related areas, but let's say, um, there may be people who talk about investment or they talk about the real estate market or they talk about demographics, they talk about uh, the impact of the budget on the real estate industry. So those are sort of people who your clients would love to have, um, would love to have access to. And if they can only get access to them through you, that's a big advantage that you can offer. Um, you may run webinars yourself. So maybe every quarter you run a webinar um, and that will help build up that relationship with your clients. And then if you want to get the referrals, what you could also get them to do is you could say you run the webinar and they're allowed to invite their friends along because, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So if I'm an investor, chances are I know other property investors. And if I, as a client, uh, can come along to my to your webinars and I can invite a couple of my um, investor mates to come along as well, who are just you know, friends of mine, uh, then they're quite, they might be interested in, um, using you as their property manager. So that's the sort of thing you can do. You just nurture the clients you've already got, and because you've got this private um, mailing list, this private database, you can send them stuff which is really valuable and might even take a little bit more time, effort, and a bit of money for you to arrange, but it's done for them. And that way you're going to get the repeat referral and renewal business. And I think that's certainly something uh, that, we, we, you know, we spend so much time in, in business, Gihan, don't we, is, is looking at generating new clients when, when in fact, yeah. our current clients, uh, and there's a great book uh, called Flip the Funnel that um, I've had recommended to me recently by a gentleman by the name of Joe Jaffe, and it talks all about that, is current clients is really where you want to be spending your time. And I, I challenge the, the business development managers that are watching, especially, is, is their, their role um, is, is really they're, they're the gainers of the business, so they're, they're generating new new business and, and and they spend a lot of time on on those sorts of things on on generating new business. So certainly with the after the funnel content, or um, I think that's certainly one task that the business development managers may wish to consider as part of their job description is actually looking inside the business to how they can leverage their relationships. Um, but the key really is that value, isn't it? Is that perceived value um, before you were to go and ask a current client, um, you know, have you got anyone else that um, might have a property we could manage? You certainly want to you, you want to make sure you're delivering value to, value to them first, don't you? Yeah, exactly, and and exactly right. Because if you just say, um, do you know anyone else who owns a property and needs it managed? they're probably not going to go to their mates or their brother-in-law or someone like that if they know that they're already being managed. So if they've already, if they know somebody else has already got a property under management, it's unlikely that they will think of that person. They'll automatically eliminate that person. But if you say to them, you know, you've got two guest passes to bring along, to invite two people to come to this webinar or this conference call or this video conference with this expert, then they're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, come along, come along. They're not going to eliminate people who they otherwise would have. Um, and then it's up to that person. That person can make a decision about it. And and you're right, this is, this is very much a role for BDMs, and uh, it's very much something that's changed, that the Internet has changed the way that client loyalty works, Josh. You know, 
I think in the past, loyalty was easy to get because it's almost like the default option. You, like it was hard to switch. It was hard to find somebody else. Um, whereas now you've got to work really hard to keep that rent roll, to keep that loyalty. Don't just assume that you're going to get the same percentage of retention and attrition as you've always had because now there are people who are offering smart, who are doing smart things like offering webinars and um, access to other ongoing material and you've got to work hard to keep that loyalty and loyalty is not just going to happen just because um, you're, they're, they're a client of yours. And I think you touched on a good point about um, referral networks as well is, is just saying uh, to someone, uh, you know, have you got a, a friend with a property we, that, that they may wish for us to manage or, or, you know, asking for business through your current clients is um, you know, certainly an example I use in, in a keynote presentation that I give here hard is, is a, a weekly landlord update that uh, we used to use in our previous business. Every Friday we'd send out a, uh, a landlord update to telling them everything that's happening with that property on a weekly basis. So the, the, the tenants' full names, where their rents paid to, uh, the balance of the bond with the, uh, with the state authority, uh, when their next routine inspection is coming up. And what we found was that they were then forwarding that onto their friends and family who had other properties that we could manage and saying, check this out. We've never, we've, we've, you know, we've never had this from our, our current property manager or, or, or whoever it may be. And it's because they didn't expect it that we started getting, uh, calls after calls after calls saying, we don't get this from our current property manager. Um, you know, we, can you have a chat to us? So certainly all about that mantra of delivering, constantly delivering value and looking for, you know, new and innovative ways to do that is, is so critical today, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to be that new and that innovative because not many people are doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you all enjoy the advanced guide to email marketing. You can download it now by visiting ebook-emailmarketing.businesscatalyst.com. Dot com. That's ebook-emailmarketing.businesscatalyst.com. And if you'd like to, uh, if you if you have trouble accessing that, or if you'd like some more information, you can certainly email me at joshcobb at realestatedynamics.com.au. So I'd like to thank all of you for joining me today, and and Gihan as well. I'd just like to say thank you again for being a big part, Gihan, of of putting this uh, ebook together and sharing your wealth of knowledge of all things marketing and uh, strategy and technology. I really appreciate it, and I hope everyone gets a lot out of what, you, uh, what you've had to say. Thanks, Josh. It's a thrill to be part of it. Well, that's it, and I hope you found that useful. And Josh and I are both thrilled with what we've created about email marketing and inbound marketing. So I hope you find both the conversation and the ebook useful. As Josh mentioned, you can download the ebook from his website, or if you missed that address, just go to expertgoldradio.com, and I've got the link with the show notes for this episode. That's it for Expert Gold Radio this month. I hope you found something useful that you can use in your personal and your professional life. So if you'd like to engage with me in other ways, here are some other things that you could do. You could engage me as a speaker for your next conference, and you can find out more about that at gehanspeaks.com. You can subscribe to my email newsletter, Expert Gold, at gehanperera.com. And while you're there, read and subscribe to my blog as well. You can also sign up to my free webinar series. I run two webinars a month, and they'll help you with your personal and professional life. You can also go to my video channel at gihanperero.tv and watch my regular educational videos. And finally, you can join my membership site, the eGurus community, at eGurus.info.
You've been listening to Expert Gold Radio. If you'd like to subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit expertgoldradio.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.